Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Good morning. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. Uh, I am uh, Chief Master Sergeant Chris Howard, and today I have... Hello, uh, Major Jeremy Leader. I'm the commander of the 50th Network Warfare Squadron. Welcome, sir. I appreciate you taking the time today to talk to uh, our listeners, you know, the fellow gladiators out there. And uh, just kind of uh, wanted to give everybody a little bit of insight. You and I used to work together years yeah. ago. Um, where was that at? At Nightsops, uh, Vandenberg, uh, so the Reserve Associate Unit for the uh, 614th uh, Space Operations Center. Uh, well, at the time it was the Joint Space Operations right. Center, now it's the Combined Space Operations Center. So um, kind of a, a hub for space command and control. Um, yeah, there's quite a few uh, as former Ninth officers now in, uh, right. in the 960th Cyber Wing. Right, yeah, we picked up another one over at uh, one of our other units over at 854. Um, but... Uh, one of the things that we really wanted to talk about today was um, some of your insights, right? So on the civilian job side, uh, what do you do? So as a civilian, um, earlier this year in uh, July timeframe, I took a job as the deputy director of ECX, which is Cross Mission Ground Communications Directorate in uh, Los Angeles Air Force Base. Uh, Again, it's currently known as the Space and Missile Systems Center. There's a lot of change happening right now in, uh, okay. with Space Force. So uh, a lot of redesignations and, and things. So can't uh, speak on on uh, some of the, the final namings, but uh, SMC will definitely uh, be part of whatever ends up becoming part of Space Systems Command. Right. I know from an outside observer, um, being an individual that used to work within uh, space as a whole right so working uh, prior to becoming a reservist i worked in one of the a space unit mm -hmm. and then went to the jspoc or nine stops with you and then i moved on to uh, eventually work in the range uh out in colorado springs um you know as an outside observer i'm really interested in how uh space is evolving and i was kind of hoping that we could kind of talk about uh, not necessarily specifics but just uh um, our new uh, sister service coming on board, what, what's that looking like and some of uh, the nuances of, of those changes? Yeah, uh, again, uh, a lot of change with the uh, birth of the Space Force. Actually, uh, the official birthday is uh, December 20th, uh, 2019. So they're going to have a birthday coming up uh, 20th of, of 2020. And I know that they're looking at doing a bunch of different uh, activities and events to kind of help solidify and uh, create that uh, unique culture and, and identity um, for the Space Force, but then also pay homage to the, you know, uh, the history that we, we have from the Air Force. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, the current uh, plan, uh, there's basically uh, deltas and garrisons and, okay. and uh, th three main branches of the Space Force, and that's going to be your Space Operations Command. Your space systems command would be the second, and then space training command or Starcom. Okay. The on, only one of those three has has been officially uh, where they've uh, sent out kind of like here's our deltas and garrisons, and that's the space operations command. And I believe that was about last month uh, where they uh, came out with a bunch of the different deltas, 
and and how the you know the wing squadron construct would align to uh, the delta construct so when we talk about that specifically right so uh, we hear these new names we hear deltas and garrisons um when we uh take uh, air force lingo together right what 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 is the equivalent to a squadron then i guess uh, that's a good question because uh, it, it's not necessarily always a one for one. Okay. Uh, but I would say for garrisons, that's pretty much, you know, translation of a base right. um, uh, or a, a physical location. Whereas a delta. Um, so when you think, you know, wing group squadron and, and the hierarchy there, right. one of the things that they wanted to do is kind of uh, flatten the organization. Okay. So you'll have typically multiple squadrons, uh, but no real like. So you could say a Delta is kind of a, a group or a wing okay. um, or, or if uh, like if the Air Force were to, you know, remove the group layer and just have okay. wings and squadrons, that's kind of like it is with Deltas. And, right. um, and yeah, it is kind of hard to, you know, when you look at some that have a, quite a few organizations in there and then some that only have or some that are really, really vast. And um, so it's really not. The size of the the delta it's it's the core mission and what they're okay. kind of focused on gotcha so i mean yeah i think that uh, even the air force has played uh with uh, removing the groups and, and kind of flattening mm -hmm. out the organization removing overhead and some of uh, the bureaucracies i guess um that that come with um too many layers right mm -hmm. so i think that'll be interesting from again from an outside perspective to see how um the space force evolves um how that that structure looks and what the pros and cons might end up being. Um, what other changes would you say that's uh, really significant with Space Force compared to the Air Force, right? So I'm, I'm trying to get our, our listeners to understand a little bit more about this sister service. Um, well, there are quite a few differences, but uh, I think, uh, you know, personally, the strengths that I see are, are a lot of our similarities, right? Uh, especially when you look at uh, the, the overall push for, uh, you know, agility, innovation, boldness, those are really the, the touchstones that uh, General Raymond's laid out for the Space Force. Um, and those are, you know, very, they're very much in line with, uh, with the Air Force. And, and you look at how acquisition um, processes have, have evolved uh, over time. And uh, we, we've gone from being a, you know, uh, technology added in late into a program that's technology creep and it's going to cost more time and money and watch out yeah you know, program managers and and to uh you know let's go demo stuff we're, we're ready to right. to try new technologies bring on new new industry partners um so it's a the willingness to try new things i, I think is a, again i don't think it's a difference from the air force but it's it's one of those things that help set the Space Force and Air Force apart from a lot of other. Right. Going from uh, traditional acquisitions programs and we were talking, um, you know, Cold War, post-Cold War era before we get into, uh, you know, more of uh, today, you know, those those acquisition lines were years. Right. Um, and we're just trying to speed that up so that we can meet the uh, the speed of technology. Right. Yeah. And. You know, uh, we even see this uh, from the reserve, the, the cyberspace wing side, where, you know, Lieutenant General Hawk uh, from 16th Air Force uh, recently said, you know, one of the biggest problems that we have is getting out from our current infrastructure, um, right. uh, our current network infrastructure. You know, moving on to that next thing is really hindered by the, the stuff that we're dependent on today. Um, and again, that's kind of across the board when you look at uh, whenever the Air Force wants to do a new aircraft or a new spacecraft, it's always, well, what? 
what's currently out there and right it's a it can become a, a contentious battle um, to to move to whatever that next thing is or even try the next thing so like i said the the willingness to do that that uh, climate's changed and um i will say there's there's always been different roads to do stuff quick it's just again yeah there has to be the the, the money and the willingness to give it a shot right and uh and and, and space definitely has that history of you know trying some of those things out but now that it's becoming a more contested environment more people are in the game it makes it even more uh, uh more important that uh, we put some extra focus there right no and i think that that, that leads to two pieces I, I was hoping to discuss today <clears throat> is uh you know we look at some of the similarities of cyberspace versus space i would i would argue and this is just me personally not uh, not my position or or uh, necessarily anybody else's uh, opinion that uh, space and cyberspace are the two domains that are consistently contested versus uh, some of our other domains, mm -hmm. right? So I think that that puts us um, in, in uh, a unique position, knowing that uh, no matter where we're at, we're pretty much in, in, in some kind of a, a battle, right? I don't know what your opinion on on what that looks like. Well, um, go back to the national defense strategy, and, and I believe the term was uh, global competition. I think there's a, a lot of uh, activities that kind of fall into a, a gray space right. uh, and uh, the way you phrased it, kind of like a continuous battle. Um, there's always pressures. There's always a, a push and pull. Um, so actually, before I went out to uh, SMC in July this year, I, I worked at the Pentagon doing a committee on the foreign investment in the United States where we would look at when foreign companies invest in um U.S. companies and the, the security implications that that, right. that has for the Air Force. So um, when we talk about economic warfare, that was definitely at the forefront of that. Uh, I got to see a, quite a lot of things and, and different perspectives. And and I think not only, you know, talking about Space Force today, but I think the, the underlying current is, you know, talk about the value proposition of reservists and, right. and all the different experiences and things that each one of us brings to the fight. Um, it's just a broad swath that... Uh, and each each person's unique. So yes. so you never know, you know, what job you had is going to help out for future jobs. And, right. and so, I, you know, I I love the organization and structure of the Air Force and, and Space Force for the you know, career fields, et cetera. And, right. And all that lining up. But but I definitely think there's a huge advantage for getting those different experiences in, into the organization. Right. And when we talk about contested, we're not talking about necessarily, um, you know, malicious um adversaries we're talking about just general right so when we look at space you have the commercial aspect of it then you have the national aspect of it and uh similar uh within cyber we have uh industry involved we have individuals involved and then of course we have um you know adversaries uh, or traditional adversaries in there so um i think that uh you know from from a cyberspace perspective as we see space grow i'm, I'm kind of hoping that uh we see some leading edge stuff that that leads into cyberspace, right? Um, space is actually uh, a little bit further than we are as cyberspace is fairly new as a domain um, and, and we progress. Um, yeah, yeah, the uh, it's a great point and, and a lot of change. It, it talked about infrastructure changing kind of underneath our underneath our feet. Uh, you look at uh, how we move to a lot of cloud environments, uh, all the great work that folks at like uh, uh, Cloud One, Platform One are are doing mm -hmm. here in San Antonio, and then um, in in terms of technology development, um, 
yeah, commercials moving out. Yeah, Starlink. Uh, you, you look at these space-based mesh networks that where uh, you may not have to rely on a you know ground ground nodes if, if all your nodes right. are in space. So, um, I, I think the key thing from a, a warfighting perspective perspective is having options. Right. Right. So if uh, uh, that when we talk about resiliency, having options is definitely all part of that resiliency. Right. Um, just to pick your brain a little bit, um, when we look at it from a global network perspective, right, you know, now we really gray the space um, between space and cyberspace, don't we? I mean, you, you hit the point of that, uh, where is a node, right? Location might not, is really um, unimportant when it comes to a global network, but when it comes to infrastructure and then also um, in targeting and targeting, well, targeting as well. Right. It starts to come into play. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I guess uh, sitting in both of these positions. Right. One is a reservist within cyberspace and and secondary as a uh, civilian within space. Where do you kind of see those demarcation lines just theoretically? Um, a lot of them are, are uh, I would say, categories that we create ourselves um, okay. in, in terms of, you know, when like heck you can even go back to the osi layers and right. you know, layer eight <laughs> error right yeah. um so the uh, so we we create these you know artificial constructs to help organize information right um but i would say you know uh, again it's there's a lot of different options out there and, and uh, right. where where that uh it's only at where we want to define it so if we want to change the the calculus then then we can and and i shouldn't necessarily let those artificial boundaries uh, like stop us from developing new technology especially when you start looking at even farther down the road like the 20 year right. 30 50 year like quantum yeah the way technology. things yeah the way things are going to continue to uh, interact how uh, how much uh, just in the number of years that we've served mm -hmm. um how that's all changed right you know it went from um very small amount of data but important data moving to vast amounts of data um, to include very important to, to minute uh, items it, it's insane how um, how fast this is growing and I can only imagine um, the acceleration pace that we're going to hit as mm -hmm. uh, technology continues to grow yeah I, I used to uh, have a 2400 baud modem and, and a BBS where I would have text-based computer games and people right. would di dial in to play them and it's yeah, come quite a long way. Right. And we were joking before we started the podcast about some of those old school sounds, right? That modem sound yeah. and how that's going hey, away. I still have a Hotmail account. And when, <laughs> when when I tell people this, they get I get these weird looks uh, like, what, what's wrong with Hotmail? And I guess it's like one step above AOL, but not quite. Right. It's just kind of telling my age. Don't tell anybody. Okay. I've got a Hotmail account somewhere, too. See, <laughs> so, cyber secure. There okay. you go. Um, no, I, and, and I think that um, that's really where I, I see cyberspace and space being very symbiotic, especially uh, currently even uh, and into the future. Um, what other things do you think uh, from your, your perspective, sir, um, are um, relations with uh, space force and cyberspace? Well, again, uh, some of those, the skills and the, just that knowledge is foundational. And, okay. and so I would say as reservists and, and uh civilians you never know where some of the experiences that you have either in the reserves or on your civilian job will benefit the other um 
and just that that cyber experience in general is very foundational. Uh, and as we move to new technologies, it's still important to understand kind of where you, where it came from. Right, and the baseline. What, what, yeah, the, right. I mean, we joke about the old technology now, but you know, when when uh, high tech stuff uh, starts to fail, starts to fail, you you need to have some uh, some right. foundational backups there. Right. I mean, almost feels like you're recruiting for Space Force, right? Oh, always. <laughs> um, no, but I think that that holds true, sir, right? So when we look at uh, baseline, let's even look at cyberspace for a second and take a step back. Uh, it, it, it was based out of comm, mm -hmm. right? Communications. Same thing with space predominantly, right? When we talk about early space, um, we're talking about satellites. And, and even today, the robustness of space and how contested it is with the vast amount of uh, equipment in space just for the the purpose of moving data from point a to point b mm -hmm. um as well as other portions of those platforms um yeah the the basis of the one and zero hasn't changed right well this is kind of when we get to the plum stuff that but right. that's it has the potential to gotcha but, uh, yes general information theory claude shannon your theory is safe for now gotcha <laughs> right and it, it will continue to evolve but uh, how we move ones and zeros mm -hmm. um you know as that evolves we go um, faster and then we start uh, to pack it in different ways and different formats and uh, using different algorithms uh, to speed up the transfer as well as the amount of transfer per second um i think that the the those skill sets that we learn in space and cyberspace go hand in hand uh, and uh, really lead us to the next piece. Uh, what else can you kind of tell us about um, Space Force and, and where it's kind of heading? Well, um, I, I don't know if uh, folks have heard uh, Major General Kreider uh, talk about, you know, they want Space Force to be born digital. Uh, I, you typically get a lot of questions about like, what does that mean? Right. And uh, and but then when you work with uh, young airmen and see just their their technical fluency and, and a lot of the new technologies and and how um, how a lot of that can can change and accelerate you know decision space and right. and how we use that data analytics today and, and that we didn't use in the past so it's really just having that foundation again uh, to then lead to a lot of these higher tech um, uh, systems very very complex but. But if, uh, you know, every airman has just that, that foundational level of digital fluency, right. uh, it just enables us to, to move farther, faster. Right. So it's a, a great initiative. And, and I think uh, they're starting, starting it right, you know, from, from the training up. And so I right. look forward to some of those. So when we worked together at Nine Stops, the big push back then was um, space situational awareness. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, now you work... Um, your unit has a, a vast amount of uh, intel individuals in it. Mm -hmm. So when we put those two into those two pieces together, at least in my mind, um, we talk about situational awareness in, and uh, that di born digital piece. How important do you see the intel piece with um, cyberspace and space? Uh, it, it's huge. Uh, so when you go back to the original uh, space situational awareness, SSA construct, it was kind of it came out of the uh, it was the 2007 ASAT test where, um, well, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't work out well. It kind of caused the stir with, oh my gosh, what happens with uh, when uh, people start blowing up satellites? Right. Um, the uh, so SSA was all about where things are when. That's your situational awareness from. Right. But I would say that it's a lot more than that. Uh, so having Intel folks involved is really important. Um, uh, I've used the term uh, electromagnetic. Uh, 
situational awareness. So, okay. uh, and then from terrestrial or in space. So I, I know this is a, a huge domain and ACC is look, looking at standing up uh, an EW wing, but um, having people that can sort through all that information uh, or build systems that can do that in short, short order and right. then and give, uh, you know, battle ready decision criteria to, to decision makers is really, really important. Right. No, I definitely see that there, there's a lot of value added there, right? Um, in an effort to quickly analyze uh, the environment we're in through keeping that sustained situational awareness, whether it's space situational awareness or if we're talking about cyber uh, situational awareness, right? Both of these environments are consistently changing um, throughout the, the every moment, right? When uh, going back to space situational awareness, that single piece of metal of a blown up satellite traveling at, at high speeds um, can make a huge difference if it's on a trajectory to hit um, a, a communication satellite, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing within cyberspace, uh, understanding, um, you know, what kind of um, systems are out there in the domain that may be causing other issues. And that allows for leaders with that, that situational awareness to make those decisions in a quick manner with that analysis mm -hmm. piece. And that's where that Intel troop comes in, correct? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, the uh, I definitely think, uh, again, Intel, you know, when you look at how, how those airmen are trained traditionally with right. the Air Force, it, it's, a, it's such a, a it, it's a different type of foundation than the cyber training foundation, but still equally important to take a lot of disparate information, coalesce it, fuse it in, into, uh, into something meaningful and, and timely. And I think right. that the that skill set will always be in demand, not only in the space force, but in the corporate world. Right. It's just uh, as as we get more and more systems, there's always more and more data. I mentioned data analytics and the, the ability to be able to sort through uh, so much data. Uh, it definitely takes a, a very, you know, logical uh, Intel focused right. type truth. It's almost like mind numbing to how to how much <clears throat> information has to be uh, you know, looked at in any given moment to make um, even the simplest decision. So I, I think that um, having those um, those analysts uh, get some of those tools that uh, as we see information progress and systems progress uh, so that they can provide real time data and real time, uh, you know, situational awareness for leaders is going to be uh, interesting to see how that, that uh, progresses. Um, what else do you see is uh, the future of Space Force and, and, and maybe uh, some of those interactions with cyberspace? Um, well, I, I would say that, uh, you know, Space Force right now is really, really small that in terms of like how, how they're transitioning. Um, um, so it's very, uh, we'll just say maneuver over mass, like uh, so very focused on, you know, uh, creating creating effects not only for combat commanders, but for uh, our, our international partners. Okay. And, uh, but in terms of, of how, how those two worlds really, really collide, um, space is very dependent on, on a very uh, dependable, organized infrastructure. Right. And, and, and so in my role, my civilian role, it's really about making sure that we modernize um, and, and maintain those the communication capabilities because if you can't control your satellite, and then uh, you, you can't really do quite a lot in space. So yeah, it's just a so floating rock, right? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. it, and, and 
and hopefully it's not running at Windows XP because that's a whole other uh, subset of problems that right. we'll get into in some other time. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, right. In, in, in from a from a cyberspace perspective, right? I, I know that uh, sometimes we simplify um, what a satellite's doing is just a router in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's amazing how much different things that can happen and, and how important those two pieces are when we talk about that global network. Um, I didn't know if you had any kind of parting shots um, or ideas that you wanted to share with our <clears throat> listeners today. Well, I think the important piece is that, uh, again, you know, people uh, always try to be the best at the job that they have, uh, hone those skills because you never know how they're going to be beneficial in other areas. So be it your reserve job um, or your civilian job. Right. Um, a lot of those cyber intel type related skills can uh, uh, can be uh, used by both the Air Force and uh, the Space Force. And I, I will say the Space Force is, is hiring, right? So you look across <laughs> the board, uh, uh, they're hiring civilians. Uh, and and again, the partnerships that we have with industry are huge. We're, right. we're creating partnerships where none existed in the past. And so if people have great ideas and want to do startup companies, we're, we, we're planning uh, seed funding for okay. so many of those. And so it's just a great opportunity great opportunity, great time to, to get into the space business. No, I agree. I think that uh, this is a, a great moment for us to have this conversation because as Space Force, um, you know, is is born essentially, right? It, it, we're hitting that one year mark. Um, it's in its infancy, um, but it's it's not uh, infant in, in its a capability, right? It's definitely uh, one of the uh, the higher speed uh, services coming right out of the gate, um, has a lot to offer. You have um, to we, be high speed to get into orbit. So right. It's, yeah. It's, it's it, prerequisite. There you go. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we're able to uh, see a lot of uh, changes and it leads to a lot of opportunities. And uh, the connection between cyberspace and space is just, uh, you know, infinite. So I uh, really appreciate your time, sir, today. I uh, really appreciate the, the uh, sharing uh, what you know and kind of helping uh, some of our uh, cyber troops out there kind of understand where space uh space is going and uh some of those connections so uh, thanks for having me and thanks uh, they're they're the future so all right make sure they know what's out there yes sir well gladiators uh appreciate your time thank you for listening today uh wish you the best uh thank you for all you do and uh have a great day